Are you working on your author career, but struggling to get that first book published? Does the goal of being an author seem too lofty? Or thoughts of having multiple books and making a full-time living are as fantastical as living in Cinderella's castle? Welcome to Discovered Wordsmiths, a podcast where aspiring authors can be heard. Join Steven Schneider as he finds and talks to authors you may not know, but authors that have gotten their foot on the author career path. Hear what they've done to get there and where they want to go now. Settle back. It's time for a bit of inspiration and advice. Come listen to today's Discovered Wordsmith. Hi, and welcome to Discovered Wordsmiths. I am very excited for this episode. Uh, today's guest is Andy Van... Abby Vandiver, and she writes Cozy Mysteries. I met Abby a couple months ago at a local library event. I was one of the authors. There were four of us. She sat next to me. Um, there was a lot of talking, chatting, uh, and that. And I asked her if she'd be on the podcast. She said yes. And it's a great talk. Abby has like 35 books, and she has a lot to say. She was a lawyer before she was a an author. But then recently, uh, the Cuyahoga County Public Library uh, put out word about their upcoming writers conference. And I saw that not only was Abby doing the keynote and doing a workshop, but that she is the author in residence up there at the writing center. Uh, I believe it's the only writing center in Ohio. So it's really wonderful to have a public library system that close uh, with a great writing center and Lori Kinzer, who runs it knows a lot about writing and writers and does a whole lot for the community. So I'm very, very lucky in that regard, because I know most parts of the country and a lot of authors listening to this probably have nothing like that close to them. So uh, I want to thank the Cuyahoga County Public Library and Abby and Lori uh, for all their hard work and everything that they supply to the author community. And thanks to all the other authors that were there. I met Molly Perry, who is going to be coming up on a show pretty soon. And I also met James Renner, who we have some friends in common. He's a author in the local area. So hopefully he'll be on at some point in the future. And then there was also Max Bax Books <laughs> on <laughs> Coventry. It's a bookstore that I unfortunately have not been to, but I will definitely make it a point to make it to want to up there to see them. Uh, now that they were there, they support this every year, I believe. So it's a wonderful episode and it's been great at the author events lately and meeting all these authors. That's what I like meeting the authors that I've talked to. Uh, if I can start traveling more, maybe I'll meet some of the rest of the authors that have been on the show. I mean, we've got almost 150 episodes. That's like almost three years. So uh, there have been a lot of authors on here. So anyway, uh, let's move on and let's talk with Abby. Today on Discovered Wordsmiths, we have Aunt Abby Vandiver, right? I got it. <laughs> and uh, she's going to be talking to us about her large selection of mystery books. Abby, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on. Abby and I were at an event together at the library locally. And Abby was the long-term writer there, much more so than the rest of us. I had been doing this more professionally longer, and we were all in awe. But it was a great 
couple hours, fun time. So I asked her if she'd like to be on because I thought everybody'd love to hear about her. But for, before we get into the writing and the reading, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you like to do besides writing. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here and be on your podcast. I'm so excited about it. So about me, I don't know. I just told someone the other day because Abby is a pen name. And I hadn't been writing for a little, for a few months. I don't know. I'm just unmotivated. I'm not stuck or have a block. I don't like when people say, oh, I'm just blocked. I just haven't been motivated. I've been doing other things. And she goes, oh, but Abby, you love to write. And I said, that's because you only know Abby. You know, the real me, I have other interests. And those other interests are just sitting on the couch, doing nothing but watching like HGTV all day or <laughs> I will do the Food Network all day and I will do the Hallmark channel. So usually if I put it on any of those three channels, I don't change the channel and I just sit there all day. I love movies. Before the pandemic turned the world upside down, I would just go to the movies all by myself and sit there and I would be so happy. And lately, I've also been hanging out in the real estate world and doing a little real estate investing. And it's, it couples with my HGTV love. So those are things other than writing, which I really enjoy. So I not only write, but I teach writing as well. Those are the other things that I like to do and spend time with my grandchildren. Nice. I can picture you with overalls and a tool fixing up a house, but kind of, I can picture you get this house, you go to fix it up and you find a dead body. That sounds like the next mystery book, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It really does. And that may be an idea. So yeah, there you. you go. I'd love to yeah. read that. That'd be great. But you have to make sure your the character is you in the overalls and tool belt. Because I think that would really be yeah. great. When I write, because my cozy mysteries always, I write them in first person. So actually, they are me. When I'm writing it, I always feel like I'm speaking. Nice. Me. Okay. So you'll never find one of my characters who eats onions because I don't like onions or they won't do things that I don't, won't do. And they're always reluctant. I write cozy mysteries and I might be getting ahead of myself with your questions, no, but I write cozy me. mysteries and they're amateur sleuths. And usually in cozy mysteries, they're all gung-ho. They're ready to solve this case. Every one of my amateur sleuths are reluctant because who actually wants to go chasing after a killer? In real life, I would never do that. I used to be a lawyer and sometimes I may have represented killers, but I, would, I wouldn't ask. I never ask, are you the killer? Don't Did ask you do questions it? you don't want the answer to. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about where wild peaches grow and you have a big picture behind you. I uh, know. I still have a big picture. Let's see. Can you see it? Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But I also have the book. Great. Yeah. So. Give us a little bit about what this book is about. So this one is actually not a mystery. I've written 35 books, and I think Oof. this is the only one that really, there are some aspects of mystery, but it's a women's fiction, and it takes place in Natchez, Mississippi, and a little of Chicago as well. And it's about two estranged sisters that had to come together when their father died. Now, when I was originally writing this story, I did put a murder in it because I put murder in every book and my agent told me, don't kill anybody in this book. And I thought, oh my gosh, how do you write a book and you don't kill <laughs> I really struggled with this book. It took me like four months to write. I can write a book in about 21 days in about three weeks, but not this one. Cause I go, oh my God, is there a story there? If no one's murdered. But I did, I did have someone die, but they were not murdered. So. What? Nice. I love that you say that. How do you write a story like that? Because... I was originally trying to write 
thriller type books. And I was working uh-huh. with an author helping me a bit, a couple authors actually. And I really yeah. kind of came to the light bulb conclusion. It's wait a second. I write middle grade fiction. That's what this is. That's why I'm struggling oh. so hard to write an yeah. adult thriller. Cause that's not where my brain is. And I'm like, what do you mean? I don't think I could write a story with a murder in it. Not like that. So I love how uh, different authors, how your brain works and how you fall into the genre you're good at writing. So let me tell you a little secret though about thrillers. I guess it's not a secret. The difference in a thriller and a mystery is in the mystery, if it's a murder mystery, the dead body shows up, someone dies. And for a cozy mystery, it just shows up the murder happens off scene. But in a regular murder, Tracy Clark's hide or something like that. The murder can happen right there in the book. But, and so you spend the rest of the book trying to figure out who done it, right? But in a thriller, no one has to die because the thriller, what makes it a thriller is that you're trying to stop the crime from happening. So the entire book is written about whatever they do to stop the murder. So no one really has to die. Although a lot of times, I guess you kill the bad guys off with the guns and everything. And then I always think of shows like 24 with Kiefer Sutherland where it has yeah. good elements of both. There's a mystery as to what's going on and who's doing what, even if it's not really a mystery, but it's a high yeah. action thriller story. There's a lot of crossover behind, between those, right. but you don't see Jessica Fletcher running around with machine guns and explosions. So you got <laughs> Exactly. And that was me because I tried, I have this book too. I tried. So this was my first book. Um, it's called In the Beginning. Well, great name you know, for a first book. <laughs> That shows, I always tell this story, that shows what a terrible writer I was. Not necessarily a writer, but poor concept I had of the writing industry. Because if you Googled in the beginning, you would not get Abby Vandiver, right? You would get God. So I'm competing against God in my title. I'm not going to get very far, right? Well, that's not the best way to start because it seems like your whole career is just going to go down from there. In this book, I wrote it. It's about, it's alternative history, alternate history, mystery, sci-fi kind of book. And, and so people, when I wrote it, compared it to Dan Brown's book. The first one that he had came out. What was that first? Angels and Demons? No, that's the second one. That's the second one? The Da Vinci Code? Yeah, Da Vinci Code. So people compared it to that. They go, it has a Dan Brownish vibe to it. But the only thing was there was not a peril around every corner. People weren't dying and falling off of bridges or whatever happened in that one, running around the Vatican, whatever they did. I don't know. Vatican might have been the second one, but not a lot of action. And so people complained about that. So I said, I can do that. I can do that. I can write some action. So I did the next book. It's called um, Irrefutable Proof. And I had someone die in there and get killed. And I tried to put a gun scene, I think, in that one. And then the third book I did, I tried to go a little bit further, Incarnate, it's called. And then finally, I just threw up my hands. I go, I can't write this. Like with you're saying, I can't do a thriller. This is who I am. And I couldn't do, I didn't know who I was at the time. I just knew I couldn't do that. I couldn't put the violence on the page. I couldn't, I don't curse in real life, swear. So I just couldn't put them in my book. And I thought I need something different. It came around, Cozy Mysteries. Nice. Hey, nice. I can do that. Yeah. So that's why I changed. So there's only, there were only three books in this series. It was self-published and it did well for me and got my name out there and people enjoyed it, but I didn't know how to write. It's just a lot of things that don't move the story forward that I thought, oh, this is so cute. I'm going to put this in here. I'm going to put this scene. Oh, I loved it. And it had nothing to do with anything. It's things that should have been delete, delete. So. I realized one of my early writings and then I got back from the editor 
and it, there was more red and like 20 pages of comments. <laughs> oh and I, I, and that was like an eye opener. It was like, wow. So I basically wrote a story where there's no conflict, nothing bad is happening. And you wonder why they're suddenly ramping up for this epic, like meetup at the end. And I'm like, I get it now. Yeah. I, I, I've run into a few authors at conferences and stuff where they talk about conflict and that. And the author goes, oh, but I don't like that. I just like my characters to have a good life. And I'm always wondering, so you don't sell many books, do you? Because nobody cares to read that. So as I said, I teach classes. So I teach that conflict has to be in every book and on every page, on every line, even the first line. But I think what people don't understand is conflict doesn't mean it's a sword fight or a car chase or someone shooting. Conflict is just tension. So I always use an example in one of my books. It's called Love, Hope, and Marriage Tropes. And the first line is, there was going to be a wedding at the funeral home. So that's conflict right there, because those are like two things. Funeral home, you, that's where dead people are. Marriage is where people say, oh, and your life is just starting. So you can ease conflict into things just by putting an obstacle in the way of your protagonist. And it can be nothing but it's raining outside and they need to go out and they don't have an umbrella. It's just different things. So conflict is important and it doesn't matter if you write children's books or thrillers or a memoir. You need to show conflict. Agreed. Yep. So you mentioned Dan Brown. Can you think of any other authors or books that are similar to where uh, the wild peaches grow or your other books? So I wanted it. To, I wanted to write like Celeste Ng, Little Fires Everywhere. So yeah. she wrote a story about kids that were in school and their mother and their babysitter. No, you wouldn't. There's no car chases. There's fire at the beginning and at the end. But and she just took like everyday life. But it was a page turner. I found myself just couldn't wait to get. So I wanted to do that. Based it off of that. But also, I think it's Britt Bennett's The Vanishing Half, that as well. I did write a book previously about that, along with my good friend, Catherine Dion. It's called, it's a self-published book, and it's called At the End of the Line. So that, that I wanted to do that, and I learned to write Omniscient so that I could put that in the book. But I don't know if it's like anything. I Honestly, I'll tell you the truth. So I'm re getting really good reviews on this book, and people say it's a beautiful story, beautiful writing. I can't for the life of me remember what's in that book. I don't know what I wrote. I keep thinking, saying I'm going to read it so I can write another book like that. I go, wow, I, I must have did a really good job. I wish I knew what it said. So I kind of remember the story, but the things that they make mention of, I don't remember those things in detail. That's because I never go back to read my story. I totally get that. And I often wonder, because you always get the authors, people are saying, on this book you wrote 32 years ago, this particular <laughs> character was doing this particular thing. And they're like, I have no idea because I don't remember what happened. And I'm like, how could you not remember what happened in that book? You wrote it. But man, it's I, true. You get done writing it and it just like seeps out of your brain because it's been so in, it's soaked up like a sponge in you that you just want to yeah. get it all out and you forget. Exactly. Yeah, you it's do. crazy. Yeah, and I forget quickly. I remember once when A Game of Cones came out, it was right when it came out and I was on a panel and the moderator said, I'm going to go around. The, it was a Zoom panel. I'm going to go around and tell me about your book. And I thought, oh my God. So I took the book and I put it down low so he couldn't see it. And I read the back of it so I could see what the book was about. So I could explain it because I hadn't the faintest idea. I was like, 
what is this book about? <laughs> did I write this one? When did that? When yeah, did I write this one? <laughs> that's funny you said that because one time someone wrote to me and said, I love this line from your book. And they wrote it and what they loved. And they said, that was just such a good line. And I thought, it is a good line, but I didn't write that. And I, so I was all set to write her back and say that she was mistaken. It must have been another book that she read. And then I said, maybe I said something similar and I should find it so that I can tell her what it is. And I had actually written that line. <laughs> I wrote that. <laughs> yeah. But then you worry, can I ever do that again? Yeah. But it's okay because you don't really remember what you wrote before. So yeah. yeah. So if you had a choice, Abby, would you prefer to turn this book or your other books into movies or a TV show? So where wild peaches grow, I would turn into a movie. And where a Daily Inside Scoop, a Game of Thrones, and a Killer Sunday, I think they should be TV shows on Hallmark, if anyone's listening, because they Hallmark's mystery is called, uh, what is it called? Now I forgot. They're, they have a mystery channel. Yes, uh, yes. Histories and movies or something like that. Yeah. It should be on there. So Hallmark, if you're listening. <laughs> no, yeah, they, they seem to have a lot of those except at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, Christmas is all the rom-com stuff. All but, the rom-com. Yeah, or yeah. that you get, what's her name? Tea Garden or whatever that's always on yeah, there. Aurora yeah, Aurora Tea Garden. Oh, Aurora, so yeah. you watch the Hallmark Channel too, huh? My, my parents <laughs> watch Hallmark Channel and I catch a bit of it here and there. I'm going to have to come on and hang out with them. They seem like cool people. Yeah, my my father was always big on the Hallmark Christmas stuff. And he would start in like September. And it finally got to the point, I'm like, I had to stop him because it got to be like end of October. He's like, oh, I'm sick of Christmas movies. It's not even Christmas yet. You keep watching the same ones over and over. Maybe we should adjust this behavior. That's funny. I'm sick of Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause they, yeah. he would start like in July watching them when they would come on and then hit it. Yeah. Just Christmas like, in July. Yes, yeah. Of yeah. So Abby, do you have a website? I do. And what, what's that? It, it doesn't matter what you put in Abby Vandiver or Abby Colette. It'll take you there. Okay. We'll have to find that. Yeah, and, But you can find me on IG and Twitter, Instagram, Twitter, I'm on Facebook. I don't visit as as often, but I'm there. Okay. You really just said I'm on an IG? I <laughs> You're hitting it with the young kids there, aren't you? <laughs> That's because I had to have a young kid show me how to work it. Yeah. I had to enlist my grandson because I couldn't do it. He was 13 at the time. And I was complaining to him. I was like, I need to learn how to do this because people are getting on this. And he says, Grammy, I'll show you. I go, no, because it's complicated. Grammy. You do this and this and this. I'm like, what? So yes, he was, he's 17 now, but he was 13 at the time. He taught me how. Nice, nice. Yeah. All right, Abby, what are some of your favorite books and authors that you like to read? Yeah, so I'm not good. That's not a good question. Okay, me. we'll move on. We know your own books aren't your favorites. No. <laughs> do you have any uh, bookstores you like to go to? Yes. So Max Beck's books on Coventry yep, yep. is a great bookstore. I love them. And Logan Berry on Larchmere. Those are my two favorites. Now, Apple Tree Books is close to me. It's just down the road. And every, and I love it too. And every NaNoWriMo, November NaNoWriMo comes up. I'd sit in the window there for them. And we type the drum business in. But Max Beck's is so good to me. And Logan Berry, they're so good to me. And they're just quaint little 
bookstores just that you can go in and just wander about and read the titles and look at books and my books are there too so they're very supportive of local authors max books has a page on their website with a lot of local indie authors and Loganberry does an author thing each summer. They have four weekends, the author alley. Yeah, they expanded it. When I first started doing it, it was just the one weekend, but now they've expanded and I go every year. I love that author alley. It's called. Yeah, yeah. I'm go, but we'll probably be on different weekends because I'm going to the kids and children's fiction week. You'll be there with my friend, Molly Perry. She writes children's books. And she has great children's so yes, so I'll probably come because I always come to support Molly. So nice. I will see you there. Nice. I'll look her up and maybe I'll get her on the podcast. That'd be great. Oh yeah, she'll love that. Yes. All right. So Abby, I want to talk some author stuff, but before we do, um, if someone came up and said, I didn't know you wrote books and I saw this one, Where the Wild Peaches Grow, why should I get that book and read it? What would you tell them? Oh, because it's good. Okay. <laughs> That's all I would need to say. It's so good. I don't know. People have said it's a tearjerker. People have said, and I think this is true because I write about family in all my books, that it's it's relatable. And I think that's what's important when you're writing a book, that people can see themselves in it or see situations that they know about and the people that they know. So I, I do think that's true about all my books, but in Where Wild Peaches Grows, grow, it shows it even more. It shows the dynamics of two sisters and what they have to deal with and the death of a father. And when they reconcile about all the things that have transpired since the last time they've seen each other and the reason that they've not seen each other. And every book I write, there is an elderly person because I love elderly people, but they're the ones with the wisdom, right? They have been through life. They know what's going on whether they were a cool person or a nerd person during their lifetime. Some people say, oh, you don't know about my kind of people, young people. Oh, we don't do things like that. Oh, they've seen everything. And so I try to put an old person in there because that's where the wisdom comes from. And in every story, you have to have a moral or a lesson in a book. And that's usually where it comes from. So I've got a feisty old lady in there who don't take no mess. <laughs> and I think that it's a book, people have told me it's a book that after you close it, you sit down and you think about it. When, you know, after you finish reading, you think about the things. And so I like that. I think my first book in the beginning was like that too. It's a thought provoking book. And I think that's why you would enjoy Where Wild Peaches Grow. Nice. Great. So let me ask you this. Wild Peaches isn't your first book. You said you've written over, what, 30, you've written 35 or so? Yeah. That's not a month or two of writing. That's a couple of years. So you've got experience that a lot of authors I talk to don't. So what are some things you've learned from that first book in the beginning to what you've written now? Oh, I've learned so much, especially how to name your book. I don't think I've ever. <laughs> I was going to mention that, but I figured I'd let you do it. <laughs> I named that one, and I think I named Where Wild Peaches Grow. And in between that, my friend Catherine has named all the books. And maybe Game of Cones, Berkeley came up with that. Penguin actually came up with that. But I knew better than that. I've learned so much about the craft of writing, um, storyteller, storytelling. So before I started writing, I was a lawyer. So I knew how to set up an audience and deliver a line or two to them to keep them interested and to get them on my side. And that's what you want to do when you write a book. You want, even if you don't have characters that are likable, people always say, you have to have likable characters. You don't, as long as you present them, just like when I was an attorney, a criminal attorney, I had defendants that may or may not be guilty. I had to present them well. But I, but things like pacing and flow 
and things like that I had to learn. And a lot of times, so now I help people write. And a lot of times I think that's what people have a problem with is pacing and flowing, but mostly it's how to tell a story. So I think that, I don't think that I have a problem with that or with dialogue, but putting the story together to make people not skim through it, like information dumps and things like that. I think those are the things that I learned, how to keep the story moving forward. And that's so important. And so something that I, from teaching, I see a lot of people are unable to do is they move that story, move their story forward. And then they get stuck. So I have little secrets that I tell them. It's not secrets because I tell everybody how not to get stuck how to get started, how to write a book in a month and you can do it. Nice. Yeah. And I like the part you said about moving story forward, because that's a skill you definitely have to learn. Most yeah. writers have read their whole lives or they read heavily and it's so easy. It's like a magic trick. It's, oh, that looked easy. I could do that. And then you really can't just because you no. can read a book doesn't mean you can write, but you can learn the skill. It's something you yeah. can get more of and get better at. And that part of moving things forward and being not kill your darlings, not so close to every little word you write and being able to pull things out and move things or change things to make, because it's the story that matters, not that you wrote the story. I think that's the concept I've learned myself a bit, still learning, I should say. Yeah, I'm still learning too. I would, whatever, whenever I start a class out, that's one of the first, I always do a PowerPoint presentation. That's one of the first slides that I have is writing is hard. Writing is hard. It's just that people always come, and tell, come to me and say, I want to write a book. People to always tell me when I tell them about something about myself or whatever, that I should write a book. And I tell them writing is hard. It's just not, you know, doing open, right, sitting down. Although I tell people, just sit down and start writing your thoughts. But there is so much more to the craft. And when I first started and I wrote in the beginning and people were telling me what was wrong with it, I thought, who knew there were rules to writing? I just thought you could sit down and do it. But there are rules to writing that you have to stick to. I have people that come to me and I'm not sticking to the rules. I'm going to come up with something new that's never been done. That won't happen because there's nothing new under the sun. Bible said it very well. They're even rewriting Shakespeare and rewriting Jane Austen. It's just the spin that you give on it. But there's no subject or idea you can come up with that someone else hasn't already written a book about. Even J.K. Rowling, she wrote about wizards. She wrote about magic. She wrote about a school of magic. She wasn't the first one. It oh. just really clicked with people and right. was done in a way that people really enjoyed and could relate to. She had a hook. Yeah. That's what you have to do. Got to yeah. have a hook. Definitely. And Cozy Mysteries, you're not the only Cozy Mystery writer out there. But there are people out there that will read a certain cozy mystery and go, yeah, I really don't care for this, but then read yours and go, yeah, I get it. This click every That's author. That's exactly what happens all the time. Yep, yeah. Read my book and you go. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> every author gets that. Great. Yeah. You don't like my books. Go find one you like and the else does like it. And yeah. I think other authors need to remember that sometimes. It's hard. It's very hard. Yes. It's very hard. You just have to take your time and follow the rules and, and finish your book. So you do teaching also, and that's another interesting aspect because you write cozy mysteries mostly in your genre, but people taking your class don't necessarily have to write cozy mysteries. How do you handle people that are wondering what to do in a certain genre that you don't write in? How do you handle that? It's true. I, most places I go, people don't even know what cozy mysteries, but 
basically there is a narrative arc that all books have to follow. So that's what I teach. You have to be able to create characters and characters are universal. They're in every genre and you have to make them authentic and believable. And no matter what you're writing, there's a technique to that. You have to have authentic dialogue. So there's an art to that. I teach that. I teach about the narrative arc. So where you um, do certain things in the book, where the, the exposition and then the climax of the book and then the falling action and resolution. Those are all things that are necessary. The story question. I teach about when you write a book, you should have a question. Each genre may have a different question that you have to answer by the end of the book, but it still has to have a story question. For example, my book, I write murder mysteries. So the question is, will the killer get caught? You know, so you answer that yes or no. Of course, you're going to say yes, because you don't want a cliffhanger. But yes, the killer gets caught at the end of the book. So the entire time I write the book, I have to be moving toward that ending that I decide to answer my story question. If it's a thriller, will will the government of the FBI be able to thwart the president's murder if they're trying to shoot the president or whatever they're trying to do, some governmental agency, try to blow it up or whatever. Then if you say, yes, they will thwart that activity, your entire book has to be moving toward that question. So that's for that's universal. That's in every book that you have to answer your story question. So that's what I teach, like the bones of the questions, how to write your story in scenes and whatever you fill your scene up with, then that's what makes it different from everyone else. But underneath the foundation, it's just like a house. You got a foundation on a house. Your house may look different when you get through because you painted it or you put an attached garage instead of a detached garage, but it's all the same with the foundation, right? Absolutely. And I think that's important for authors to realize. And I think that's what makes everyone's voice so unique because we are all using the same building blocks, same structures with that. Yeah. All right. So Abby, before we go, it's been really great talking to you again. I'm sure we'll run into each other, yes. but do you have any other last minute advice for authors? Finish your book. <laughs> that is so important to finish your book. You should know before you sit down to write it, you should know what your ending is. Because I tell everyone, it's just like the GPS on, on your phone or in your car. If you're trying to get somewhere, you can't get there if you don't put in your destination. Right? So Finish your book, know your ending. That's always my advice because you can fix it later. If it's not quite what you want, but you can't fix something that doesn't exist, that isn't there. Right. So that's always my advice. Nice. Great. All right, Abby, thank you for taking the time talking to us about your book. And I hope we run into each other sometime this summer or next event somewhere. Oh, I'm certain we will. Thank you so much for having me. I really have fun and I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, if you enjoyed this episode of Discovered Wordsmiths, please support the author. Go to their website, go to Amazon, look them up, get the book. And if you click on the link that I have in the show notes, you'll also help support the podcast so I can keep the hosting and all the software I use and uh, keep it running for, to help more authors. When I am recording this, we've got over 100 episodes, lots of authors. Go to the website, discoveredwordsmiths.com check it out. There's a lot of great authors, probably in some genre that you love. See what they have. Check out their books. That's what the point of the podcast is for. So people can discover new authors, find some new books they love, support the authors so they can continue writing. So please support them. And if you do like the podcast, if you've been thinking of podcasting or you're a writer, I've got some links also at the website. 
Click on those if you're interested in any of the software or services that I talk about. Everything that I have there is something I use, so I've got an affiliate link. Again, it's a little bit, if everyone clicked on those, if they were going to get it anyway, it helps keep the podcast going. So let's all help each other out, discover more authors to read. Thank you for listening to Discovered Wordsmiths. Come back next week and listen to another author discuss the road they've traveled and maybe sometime in the near future, it might be you. 